is the Infinity Summit Group. Truth. Passion. Success. Talking about No More Mr. Nice Guy by... Who is it by? Uh, oh boy, somebody. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Two seconds. Right. I'm not good with authors. By the way, I'm Xavier. I'm Logan. Jesse. Noah. I'm back. I'm back. He's back from his flights, which we'll back get into a little dead. bit later. Robert A. Glover. Robert A. Glover. That's I knew the it had to do with gloves. <laughs> yes. The gloves no, are off. no disrespect, Mr. Glover. Yeah, yeah. How was uh, how was flying California, Arizona? Where else did you go? Did you want to talk about it an hour later? Oh uh, yeah, let's get, get get into that, and we'll we'll finish with that. Sure. No more, Mister Guys, Nice Guy. Yeah. So what basically what they had me do is I flew up the, cal- the up the coast of California, um, inland a little bit. I tried to go see the redwoods. They wouldn't let us up that far, um, and then I went down through mid California, like Fresno, um, back down the coast as well, back into Arizona. And <clears throat> a very good experience. Different different hotel every night for about 10-ish days. So wow. it was a long time to be away from home. <laughs> a little bit too long. Did you miss home or were you, were you excited just being missed, out? I missed the wife. If the, if the wife was with me, I could have still been out there. It's not a big deal. Yeah. You know, obviously I missed everyone else too, but that was the – that was the main thing, you know. Once you, when you get used to sleeping next to someone every night and having someone to settle down with every night and all that jazz, and hang out with during the day, then it's uh, interesting. Built but, uh, a little different. Built so different, but you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder for sure. I was out there and just all the different culture you see and um, experiences you have, it definitely changes you. It makes you a more competent and confident pilot. It was just me and another student out in some of the busiest airports in the world and crushing it so it was fun um a couple couple highlights where we flew over the golden gate bridge we flew over disneyland flew over like lax um like i said we flew up all along the coast we flew through clouds through rain i flew at night it was so pitch black like there was no lights or anything around it was might as well have just been flying inside of darkness it was Literally couldn't see anything outside the plane. That's crazy. So cool. It was, to, it was cool. Rely on your instruments. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is, I mean, that's the rating I just got, so hopefully I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we were just doing that. That was actually autopilot training, so took off into the dark and set it on autopilot and just let it fly in the dark. <laughs> yeah, my instructor, at one point, he's looking around. Because, you know, you're always supposed to look for, like, a best place to land if your engine were to fail. And he's looking around. He's like, yeah, we would die. <laughs> My instructor. And I was like, yeah, I was thinking that too. I just didn't want to say anything. Just because it's so dark? It was, yeah, dark as hell. There's literally nothing you can see, and it was mountainous. And so there's nothing you can land on, dude. You'd just be dead. Um, That's interesting. We were away from, we were far enough away from anything where we wouldn't be able to glide to it. It would just be toast if the engine gave out. No water so. or anything you could get to? You can't see it, so I don't know. Fair enough. (laughs) It's all black. (laughs) Um, So there could have been, but basically basically we were looking at it. We're like, on the moving map, it says there's a river here. We'd probably glide down, try to find that, and then just land in or along the river if we can find it. 
<laughs> that kind of well, takes a lot of trust in uh, your uh, instruments. Yeah, instruments and which your, is what you're supposed to do. Your plane not to go down, you know. Yeah, and they're very reliable. You know, it's very rare that you have an engine failure or anything like that. But um, yeah, it was good experience for sure. There were some interesting interesting times. We had a plane that was fairly close to us at one point. Um, it was probably within a few hundred feet of us. You could almost almost see the pilot in the other plane. Mm-hmm. So that was scary because we were going we were going straight, <coughs> and ATC is like, oh, uh, maximum climb, you know, right now basically because this other plane's converging on you, and we were at the same altitude pretty much. So we start climbing, maximum climb, and they're like, accelerate your climb. We're like, dude, we're doing the best we can, you know, and the other plane starts climbing. Like right that. into us. <laughs> like, like, so we start we start turning and they're like, turn this much, this many degrees to the left. And so we turn and that plane right past us, climbing at our exact altitude. It's like retards. <laughs> and Is their fault then? Um yeah, they weren't on with ATC. So they were just flying whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. And we were you know, we were just like, Oh my gosh. And ATC's like, I'm not talking to that guy. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, us either. <laughs> that was that was upsetting. Um, and then another time we had an interesting landing that I'm glad we walked away from. But uh, past experience of me having bad landings allowed us to uh, know what to do in that situation and made it out alive. Made the tower. Their voice was a little shaky because we, we basically got out of the landing and we're go, what's called a go around, where you go back in the traffic pattern and try again. And the tower's voice was a little shaky. We're like going around, you know. And they came on. They're like, "All right, left traffic," you know. <laughs> what uh, happened? Because they saw our, our landing was a little bit rough. Um, basically, what happens is on that particular airport, the runway was sloped and had a bump in it. Mm. It was like lumped and then it sloped from there, even though nothing said that it sloped so as we were coming in we hit our front wheel first and bounced off the runway generally you've got you've got things similar to that like when you're coming and you do what's called a flare when you're coming into the runway and you you're you know when the airplane turns um not turns but like yeah rotates and then they float for a minute before setting down so sometimes when you do that you can float up too high that's called a balloon and that's fine you can recover from that you go up back down and then just flare again it's not a big deal but what what this thing is called is called a porpoise and when you hit it bounces you up and does something similar to a balloon but instead of recovering from that what happens is it gets worse so you go back down and you hit again and it just keeps getting worse until you crash (laughs) (laughs) so we um we did that and luckily i had done that before my partner hadn't seen that happen before He'd never done it, so he had an experience that he doesn't know, so he's just trying to recover from it. And I was like, no, full power, full power right now. Get that thing in there. And we went around, and we were fine. Hmm. So it was it was very interesting, and it, and it showed me really what happens when people, <clears throat> when something happens out of the ordinary for someone and how they can handle stress and all sorts of stuff. You know, he was, um, he was basically – he was super shaky and stuff, and I was like, dude, I, I had to be calm until we got on the ground, and then I could have my shakies, you know? <laughs> Later that night, I was thinking about it, shaking like a crazy person, like, damn, that could have been bad. 
But in the moment, I was like, no, I have to be calm. We've got to get back on that runway because he's still the one flying, and he's scared shitless right now, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was a very, very interesting time. And uh, I realized something while I was down there. So I was like, <clears throat> I was just chilling there, and I, and I realized how much I appreciate Tammy and um, how much I, I was missing or whatever. And I was like, man, I could – Definitely spend a lot more time traveling like this with my wife versus spending most of my time um, trying to get financially free before I can travel. I was like, no, that's no longer my goal is to get financially free before I, before I can travel like that. It's to um, get as much adventure and experience in with the wife along the way because financial freedom is coming one way or another. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not even a question. But, yeah, definitely, definitely changed – my whole perspective on life that way um, made me realize how much of an obsession it had become and all that. Um, not necessarily that it's a terrible obsession, but when you've got a wife and things like that, you got to learn where your priorities are at. So, um, so I've been working, working my best to, um, we'll say actualize that realization in my life with her. And it's been uh, good thus far. Yeah. Yeah, you tend to uh go extreme one way or another. Dude. Like yeah, once you, you, you once you find something, it's like Dude, oh, I dive I dive life. head first. <laughs> dive, dive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's Wait, there's no nets. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'll grow wings if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it usually works out. <laughs> uh, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's the power of intention. It's really. it's actually one of the things I love about myself is that as soon as I decide to do something, it's happening. One way or another, it's going down, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I love that about myself, but at the same time, I'm like, all right, I can I can learn balance here. I know it. So, yeah. Now the objective is to go on many, many adventures, even if my bank account doesn't reflect financial freedom at this point. That's the tricky part is Sweet. I've been, like, trying to fill that lately. It's like, how do I have a lot of fun right now and not do things that are extremely expensive? Yeah. It's tricky. It's going to be hard. Yeah, how's the skydiving going? Uh, I haven't started yet. Um, I want to go next week or this Thursday, but it's looking more like next week. And that's for just a fun jumper to actually start learning. Well, I mean, everything, everything's learning. And it's going to be fun, too, because I'm, I'm terrified of heights, and I've never done it. It's your first one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. it'll just be <laughs> this will be, just just be you strapped to yeah. an instructor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't even know if I want to learn it yet, but I know I want to. I, I, I want to go out by go. myself. I want to yeah. learn how to base jump or, you know, the glide suits. Uh, dude, those are insane. You say less. I want to do that. That'd be gnarly. Fucking okay. cool. Yeah. So fucking cool. Those are cool. Just to be able to jump off a cliff, like hike, angels landing, get to the top. Yeet. Yeah, it would be, be gnarly. So cool. Um, when they do, like, front flips and stuff as they're flying, it's insane. I just need to find the next adventure, man. I'm just... You know, beat music's cool, and you know, setting up an online store is cool, and working out. I definitely need to start those things, but I need to find something that's an adventure on the side. Dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Se no, serious. Yeah. That's part of what draws me to aviation, because mm -hmm. I know any day I may not come home alive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, living on the edge. I was thinking about motorcycles too. I'm like, what if I? Have you ever seen those videos of the people that are on motorcycles and they get wheelies and then they're like standing yeah. on the back of their car? The That's insane, shit. dude. I have a it's video insane. to show you. 
with yeah. motorcycles after this, then come do firefighting with me. No. I'd give you a hell of <laughs> a rush. You don't want to burn alive? I already uh, <laughs> smoke enough for that. I want more smoke in my lungs. I'm good. Get yourself a good fancy point. respirator. I think I'll just have to join in on you. <laughs> good luck. Ventures <laughs> in. Yeah. Red man. Yeah, all sorts of fun adventures in our future, guys. We'll uh, continue updating you on these as well. For Absolutely. sure. I'm definitely interested in that aviation thing, too, what, like we talked about in PAL. Just, Just going and getting a license? Just not yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's you can get them for as little as like ten grand. Really? Your first license, dude, to fly? Literally, the basic license you need is a recreational pilot. That yeah, that's all I want. But but you're gonna want at least a private license, because that's your first license. That'll allow you to fly night or day. That'll allow you to fly passengers, your friends, whatever. Okay. Because yeah. recreational pilots are super limited. What, what, they can only fly during the day by themselves, basically. Um, I think, I think that's pretty much yeah. They can I don't think they can fly at night. They have to fly within a certain distance of their home airport. There's all sorts of restrictions. It's like no, you want at least a private license and then go from there. Can you fly like cr- car cross country as a private pilot? Yeah. yeah. You'll actually fly cross country by yourself as a private pilot to get your rating. That would be sick. Yeah. Cr- cross country meaning. I think it has to be like a hundred or hundred and fifty nautical miles, something like that. Okay. I mean, so like, like to another country, like if I wanted to go to South America, I could just yeah. Whee. You just have to get a license. I think you have to get your radio license, which is required for international flights. Um, I haven't got that yet, so and I can talk to other people. I I really don't know what it's for. I don't know what it's all about. I'll have to look into it. But okay. you can fly to South America. I think I think you can fly out of the United States without an issue. Don't quote me on this because I really don't know. Oh, but I think it's usually you can fly out of the United States without an issue. It's flying back in. It's an issue mm-hmm. if you don't have the license. So. Um, you can leave, but yeah. you can't come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you just, yeah, if you get a private license and your radio license, I think you can do that. But if you're going to be flying across countries like that, you'll want your instrument rating too. Okay. So that you can fly through clouds and things like that, because down as you get down towards the equator, you're gonna have a lot more clouds. And as a private pilot, you have to stay far away from them, and it, so it would be difficult. So private pilot, then instrument training comes after that. Yeah. So you get your private pilot license. That'll allow you to fly night or day. You can fly passengers. You can fly wherever you want in the United States. Um, and then your radio license you can get to fly internationally, and then your instrument rating. Basically, you're a private pilot that has an instrument rating on their certificate. Huh. And that's yeah. a whole separate training reg- resume. Yeah. That's that's what I am right now. I'm a private pilot with an instrument rating. Huh. I'm working to become a commercial pilot right now. And how long did this take you? Like a year, two years? No. Well, if you're doing it through ATP, it won't take you that long. A lot of people, it'll take a year or two to get those two ratings. Yeah. Because you can go a lot slower or whatever. just depends where you're training at. Right. Is the next license the commercial then? Yeah, that's that's the one where I can be hired to fly. So people can pay me money to fly. Yeah. That is so sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to get the license once you're once you're a trainer and stuff. Yeah. I've had multiple people in the family say, oh, I want to do it. Granted, they probably won't, but yeah. it's a good idea. Yeah, and I, and I could do it. I could either 
just tell them to go where I'm instructing at, whether or not it's ATP or you could go through ATP and just say, hey, this is the only rating I want. Are you guys down for that? I'm sure they'd figure out something because you're offering them a grundle of money. Yeah. So, yeah. If you were a private pilot, you couldn't take money? Like, if, so, if say, your friend <coughs> wanted to fly to, like, New York and he doesn't want to, like, pay for commercial, he could be like, yo, let me give you, like, 500 bucks to take me to New York and you do it. You can't pay less than the pro rata share, meaning you can't pay less than your fair share. So if you have only two people going, you can't pay less than half of the expenses for fuel, oil, um, like airport fees, things like that. Okay. So as a private pilot. So you're paying for – they would be paying for like half the of gas, it. not the – not your time. Yeah. They can only pay for like half of the gas. Huh. I'm, I'm sure you could do it off books You'd or have something. Well, yeah, but like, legally. Legally. Yeah. Legally, you have to pay the pro rata share is what it's called. Okay. Um, and then as a – well, yeah, as a, as a private pilot, I mean, it, it, it's – there's a gray area too, you know. You, you're not supposed to be able to have compensation, but you can, you can actually be paid to fly as a private pilot if you're – I think you can test planes for a manufacturer and get paid for it. That would be That's cool. That's a bit sketchy. Yeah. Yeah, it could, <laughs> could be sketchy. I'm sure there's other things where you have to like – have a certain number of hours, things like that to do that. But you can get paid for like charity events, reimbursed. You, you, you just can't get paid. You can get reimbursed for certain things. But if you're just flying you and a buddy, pro rata share. So it's like donating blood. Get paid for your time. Not for yeah. donating blood. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> so you'd be, you can get paid for like charity. You can get paid for doing the flight testing. And then a couple of other things like that. If it's incidental to business. So if you're like, if you've got a business trip that you're going on and you're like, oh, instead of driving, I want to fly out there. And then someone else, instead of driving, flies with you, they can reimburse you for their costs, you know, right. um, as business. But it's that one would get gray as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some, of it, some of it's pretty gray, but I'm sure you can figure it out. <laughs> and with the privates, you can fly the whole country. Um, and then with a, except for Washington, D.C., around there, you actually have to have special licenses aside from everything else to fly, like, within 60 miles of D.C. Because the, the White House and shit. Mm-hmm. And all that miles. stuff. Wow. Yeah, screw that yeah it's, got, anyway. it's got a massive red yeah, zone, like, don't fly here. Um, I mean, the Washington. And then, They're trying to make it a state. It's a district. But, yeah. Sick. It's bullshit. Anyways. <laughs> and then you actually can be a, I think you can be, yeah, you can be a commercially rated private pilot. Okay. So if you get your private and then commercial, you can do that without going through the instrument phase. But there's restrictions on that. You can't be paid to fly with um, any more than 50 miles from your home airport, <laughs> and you and you can't fly for hire at night. So all you could do is like take day trips where people are like, I just want to see the city. Yeah. Okay. That's the people that you're going to find at national parks, things like that, who just do helicopter rides or whatever around. And – do that is get well obviously helicopter is like a whole different license but how similar is it not um a lot of the ideas are similar but the way you control it the aerodynamics the physics behind it is going to be very different you think it's harder i've heard i know a guy who got his helicopter rating and he said it's way harder i want to get a helicopter pilot be so fucking cool yeah i would also like to be a helicopter pilot do you think you could uh fly those uh what are those? I forgot what they're called, but the jets. You know how they, they're in like a 
a group of three, and they're like flying through, like the yeah. F-15s, fucking fast. Yeah, yeah. Could, you think you could drive one of those? Um, if you're not too tall. No, I mean, I mean yes and no. If it was an emergency situation, I might be able to like fly it, you know. But mm-hmm. it's it would be difficult because each planes aren't like cars in that you can get in one car and learn how to drive it, and you can pretty much drive every car, you know. Um, like the size is different and stuff, and They're the way they handle is different. Yeah, but airplanes, you generally have to get specific endorsements to fly planes. Hmm. So, like, I am only allowed to fly a single-engine land airplane right now. If there was any other airplane that, especially, especially one that had like greater horsepower or like different types of landing gear, I'd have to get endorsements for those. That's crazy. How soon after your school stuff will you be able to fly the big planes? How long is that going to take you? So I'll finish school. Plan is to finish schooling and become an instructor before Christmas this year. And then it'll probably be, realistically, about two years that I'll be instructing. How, how do you go to, like, how do you get to fly the big planes for, like, practice and stuff? Is it all simulators or no. do they just uh, throw well, you on a plane and say, go fly yeah, it? Yeah, so you'll, be, so you'll be doing a lot of simulators. From what I understand, they'll hire you before you have your 1,500 hours. And then as soon as you hit 1,500, you just go. 1,500. Gosh, it's, I thought it was 10,000. No. 10,000 seems so much more reasonable to me. <laughs> 10,000 is so many hours that would be, in an yeah, airplane. Like, it's like a year of flying eight hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'll be flying. I mean, like I said, I'll, after after approximately three years, you know, my year for training and two years for instructing, I'll, that'll be about my 1,500 mark. That's quite a wow. long time. <laughs> and a lot of students yeah. I'll be going through, too. I'm assuming each student is about two months, two to four months per student. Yeah. And Someone I'll be having I'll be having up to six <laughs> students. Yeah, you can. I mean, it's there was some crazy realism brought to me when I first started there. We had a there was an instructor and a student. It was actually on an intro flight, so that's where they go up, fly, and see if they even want to come to ATP. On an intro flight, they both died. Mm-hmm. Huh. Plane oh, went yeah, down. Yeah, you were telling about yep, Plane went down, that. and they died. And I had a realization like, holy shit, I am not safe with an instructor. <laughs> not necessarily. Like, you're safer, but it's like, I got to be able to fly a plane, <laughs> you know? Either way. Yeah, either way, I got to know how to do this. They can't be my safety net all the time. And so that made me a much better pilot. Because mm. now I was like, okay, life's in my own hands, whether my instructor's there or not. So, yeah. So how did those people not be in communication with you guys that where you were flying head on or whatever? So... We were flying under instrument flight rules, Mm -hmm. so we were on an instrument flight plan, meaning we can fly through clouds, we can fly just by our instruments, whatever, and ATC is supposed to provide us with, like, traffic avoidance, things like that. If you're flying under VFR, visual flight rules, you don't have to be on with ATC. And that's what they were doing? Or they were on with a different radio frequency. Yeah. How are they not all communicating being like... There is a plane in front of you. You may hit. <laughs> so a lot of the planes have what's what's called a ADSB. Basically, it it kind of reports where your plane is at in the sky, mm. and that helps us avoid. So we saw them on ADSB, and ATC saw them on their radar and warned us about them. But if they're not in contact with anyone and they see us converging at their altitude, their instinct is going to be to climb out of our way. Yeah. They didn't see us climbing at the same time. Because they weren't co- talking with anybody. So they probably shit themselves as well. Yes. <laughs> if they saw us, they shit themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're probably like, crap, 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 crap. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and it wasn't that close. It wasn't like a near, near miss, but it was close enough where you're like, wow, that's closer than usual. That's yeah. stupid. <laughs> closer than it should have been. Yeah, exactly. You guys um, have like parachutes in there, so if you no. do happen to, you know, lose a wing, you can jump. No. No. You're Wait, just you guys don't have parachutes? No. Don't, we don't have parachutes. Useful, right? You'd have to have a pretty slow fall. Right? I feel like you can make it work. It'd be very difficult to figure out a parachute as you're falling out of the sky in a spin. Because you have G-forces acting on you as your plane's spinning out of the sky. Mm -hmm. You might be dead before you hit the ground. Just the old baby shaking syndrome. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, yeah, there's no plan B. (laughs) We don't have flotation devices and we don't have parachutes. Learn how to swim. That's sweet. <laughs> Learn how to so, fly. so legally, we have to stay within gliding distance of land because we don't have flotation devices. Wow. Hmm. That way, if our engine fails, we can glide to land, you know? You'd think the planes have just, like, these floaty devices where it hits the water and they just... You'd think, but the planes, they, they have to make them super light, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, the planes, the planes I fly are lighter than most small sedans. Like, the average weight of them is just under 1,700 pounds. The whole plane. It's, like, it's got, like, a 30-foot wingspan. It's pretty big. So if you get caught in a tornado, you're fucked. Oh, yeah. For sure, dude. We we don't fly tornadoes. <laughs> well, no, but, like, what if one just, like, the winds just pick up and you're all of a sudden just, like... GG. Then <laughs> I will do my best to not die. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, thunderstorms, if our airspeed gets too fast, tornadoes, things like that, they can, those planes can take a pretty good beating, but you start putting crazy stresses on it like that and you're toast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <coughs> shit guys, we could just make the podcast about flying. It's, I mean, seems like we are. I'm down because <laughs> I love fun. talking about it. It's so intriguing to me. It's insane. Um, more questions. No, now that we you covered everything pretty good. <laughs> it's just so cool. I don't know. It's dangerous. That's what, what about matters. Big commercial planes. Do they have the flotation device? Because I mean, they're massive, right? Yeah. Got, so you're thinking about like hundreds of people. Obviously, I feel like they would have to have some. I mean, they've got the life jackets that they have, obviously, for the passengers. But the plane doesn't have like floating shit. No. <laughs> really? Planes don't float. Um, so, just one sec. That was loud. <laughs> huh? I said that was loud. <laughs> Got really close. So it's simply just a death trap waiting to happen. It sounds like it. Well, just the get, car. You wouldn't expect you your car to float. Yeah. No, with the amount of training <laughs> we have, uh, it's actually way, way, way safer to fly in a plane than a car. Well, you, well, you don't want to fly in a car one way or another, but <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. it's way safer to fly in a plane than a car. Yes, you want to do that. Really? Um, <laughs> Floating off the freeway. <laughs> one day. Um, one day. I'd yeah. say so. Jake was talking to me the other day. He's like, what if I just put wings on my car and just ripped it down the highway? I was like, you know what happened? You'd flip your car upside down. Right? Yeah, you'd <laughs> flip it upside down. Exactly. Um, what Jake was this? I feel like I should know. Jakey? Jacob, Jakey, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. If and I was just, obvious. I was like, yeah. He's like, I think I'd be like jumping off the freeway. I'm like, no, you'd flip upside down. As soon as you caught that wind, you're toast. Well, some cars, just not having the weight in the front, that's enough. Stingrays. Yeah, having the engines in the back is enough to flip them over. All yep. the stingrays are so light, you see them go so fast that they, they, they literally flip. Those flip up, yeah. And then they fly. <laughs> what kind of wings fly. could you attach yeah. anyways? 
Yeah, and you, and there's all sorts of <laughs> yeah, no. So there's a lot of things to take into consideration. Like, let me tell you this. Off the record, just kidding. <laughs> um, there was there was a point if you have the trim planed out, if you have the plane trimmed out. Sorry guys, um, if you have the plane trimmed out, and trim is like a tiny tab on the back. So as you're flying straight, you don't have to like put constant pressure back forward back forward you know mm. you just trim that little tab out and then you can just fly you can let go of the controls and you can fly and it keeps its altitude its airspeed all that um so with with the trim when it's all trimmed out like that if one of the guys in the plane scoots their chair back the plane will start climbing because it leans it back wow. and then if it scoots forward it'll start descending or we were trying it we were, <laughs> we were going flat and or we, we trimmed it out and then we're like, oh, we need to climb. So we both lean back. The plane would climb. We need to descend. We both lean forward. And it would descend. And then when we needed to turn, we're like, all right, lean, lean. It was cool. I mean, turning that way is not coordinated, but it was like barely. We were on course, and we just barely had to lean the plane. Um, That's because of the weight shift? Yes. That's crazy. The weight shift, the smallest of weight shifts can affect the plane's performance. And so if you ever notice on an airliner, they'll say, don't crowd the bathroom because it will affect the plane's performance. The plane, if everyone's crowding towards the front, will start going down, and then they'll have to adjust or vice versa. This is for you, all the mile-high clubbers. Yeah. Don't crowd the bathroom. They're going to kill us all. <laughs> <laughs> no, the autopilot should correct for that, but they don't want the autopilot having to correct a whole ton for that. Mm-hmm. So on commercial flights, they mostly are autopilot, right? Yeah. They, they take up. off, they turn on the autopilot, and then they turn it off right before they land. Okay. Yeah. They're glorified bus drivers, but all of the knowledge <laughs> – serious. All of the knowledge they built up to that point allows them to fly it by hand if they had to. Mm-hmm. You know, If you don't have to, don't. You know, Autopilot and you're good to go because um, it can get tremendously boring just sitting there in the air flying straight for I three hours. Imagine. Yeah. That'd I got brutal. bored. I was just sitting there like twiddling my thumbs. Like, you know. You'll get a radio call here and there, and you got to respond to it. But other than that, you're just sitting there seeing what everyone else is doing because you're hearing the radio calls from – everybody else and how they're maneuvering everyone around and it's fun is it like trucking to where if someone does something shitty you can be like motherfucker do that stuff again (laughs) kind of business Uh, like to where you are connected with everyone yeah kind of i mean you don't want to be doing that because everyone's gonna mess up in the air you're gonna have fuck-ups it's what happens Mm -hmm. air etiquette yeah exactly so you're not gonna be like this tail number was doing this, you know? <laughs> Fucking like, Karen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You <laughs> landed this airport. Yeah, you don't want to do that. You, you, want to, you want everyone to fly safe, obviously, but you don't want to have to report anything if you don't have to. Because it's just like everyone's going to have mess-ups, and everyone understands that unless you're a jerk. So it's, it's interesting, and there's a certain etiquette to it. Um, obviously, is, if it doesn't interfere with the safety of flight, then whatever. But there's certain rules you got to follow, everything where you shouldn't have those issues. If you do, then you can get what's called a pilot deviation. And you can actually, they'll say, hey, when you're ready, we've got a number for you to copy down that you need to call potential pilot deviation. And you can get your license suspended or taken away entirely for those. Huh. Wow. And that's, that's something as simple as they told you to turn to a certain heading and you heard a different heading. You turn to that heading, which is not following their instructions then that could be a pilot deviation, potentially. Is that even when you're a private pilot? Just yeah. Okay. Or if, or if you taxi into a certain spot where they didn't tell you to taxi, if you go onto a runway without them telling you to, 
all sorts of crazy stuff they they can give you a pilot deviation for. So it's not like on the movies where you can just go to like a private little like air base and just take off anywhere. You can. You can. You can. So if it's non-towered, then you make all radio calls yourself. So, for example, Brigham City, if you're on the ground and you have your plane there, you'd be like, Brigham City traffic, um, my, my plane is called a Skyhawk. It's the, the uh, brand of it, essentially. Um, it's technically a Cessna 172S, but for short, it's called a Skyhawk. Mm. Um, so you just say Skyhawk, say 1692 Tango. Um, at this certain location on the airport, taxiing to runway X via this taxiway, this taxiway. And so everyone in the airport, because each airport has its own specific frequency you want to be on, to talk to people in the traffic pattern. And so everyone knows you're doing that, and then if anyone is going to have an issue with that, they'll be like, oh, just letting you know I'm here on the airport, and we're taxiing yada yada. And they'd be like, oh, okay, we'll just taxi around it, you know, whatever. It's not a big deal. We had a guy one time. He was a jerk. So he came in. We were holding short of a runway, and he landed on the runway, turned around on the runway, taxied back to where we were, and we're like, dude, just go to the next taxiway. We're literally sitting on this taxiway. He's like, no, come on to the runway taxi next to me, which two planes on the runway is a fat no-no. But we did. Taxi just... Right next to him, he taxied down the taxiway. Untowered airports are lawless, man. <laughs> in, you can rules. do you can do pretty much anything at non-towered airports. Huh. Um, but that would not fly in a towered airport. Correct. That towered airport, you you follow exactly what tower tells you to do. Or if you're in the air and you're on with ATC, you do what ATC tells you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're on an instrument flight plan, because then you have to follow what they say. When you're visual, it's not as it's not as big of a deal. They'll just tell you traffic here here and then you'd be like oh yep got that traffic in sight they're not an issue you know no factor um but it's yeah there's so so much to it that it's just like do you wear this clothes when you uh, fly i i wear atp shirts but yes this is what i would wear just regular clothes yeah there's no fancy suits and helmets not necessarily so the airlines i'll have a uniform and at atp i have a uniform that i have to wear um but Outside of that, if you're just flying your own plane or just going or renting a plane, just wear whatever. <laughs> Fly. Obviously, if you dress nicer and you look nicer, they're going to trust you more with their rental plane. Yeah. But And and they take you out and they do a flight. Uh, I forgot what it's called. But they'll essentially take you out in one of their planes, make sure you're a good pilot, and then they'll rent to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a Cessna 172. Exactly. That's it. That's what I fly. And I fly with something with an avionics system called a G1000, which is a fairly advanced avionics system. Um, I think I heard they're about five years old. I wouldn't be surprised if they're older, though. But it's basically two pieces of glass in the cockpit, and there's all sorts of backups to the backups and everything that way um, with just a couple instruments below. It's the two screens? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do they have fire extinguishers if there's an internal fire? There is a fire extinguisher, and we go over emergencies all the time. Like today, I went over emergencies. Literally, she failed. She failed my engine on the simulator. Mm-hmm. So because I was doing just the sim today, failed my engine on the simulator. She's like, "Oh, what if you had an engine fire? What if you had this? What if you had this?" I'm like, "Oh, I would do this, 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 and this." And she's like, "All right, good. Restart your engine. And restarted it in the air and flew away. You know. <laughs> um, and you always let ATC know. 
the one cool thing is that if you have an emergency and you declare an emergency, you're given priority over any and all other traffic and no rules apply to you if you need it to get to the ground safely. You just might have to file a report after saying why you did what you did, you know. So make sure it's pretty legit. Not necessarily. So it just depends. If Say if an airliner is coming in behind you and you're like, I'm in an emergency. I'm landing this runway. That's what has to happen because um, we're going down. Then the airliner will go around and that will cost them 10, 20 grand, whatever, mm. just to go around and come back, you know, um, if not more. And so you might have to file a report that way. But like we – we didn't have an emergency, but we did have an inoperative piece of equipment, and we checked, we checked it across our checklists to make sure because there's there's like four or five different areas where you check to see if your inoperative equipment is okay to fly without, and we we can't, couldn't fly with it in instrument conditions, i.e. through clouds or anything like that, and so we landed at our next destination airport because it was all visual. Up to, up to that airport, so we're like, oh, okay, we only need it for instrument, we don't need it for visual, so we'll just fly to this next airport, and we got it repaired there. We swapped planes there and flew out again. So, um, and there's certain inspections you got to have, um, kind of like a car, just more in depth, you know. Um, but it's, yeah, there's there's a lot to it, and honestly, I'd recommend flying to literally anybody. It's so damn fun, mm. and it's freeing when you're on the ground driving. You're just like, man, oh, in the air. <laughs> it's just flying there. so much nicer. Yeah, exactly. Fly to Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even, even in these smaller planes, you know, they're not very fast, but you can get it. You can get it to where you're going pretty darn quick. My highest ground speed that I've seen, ground speed being my <clears> – that's what your car does is it, it has a ground speed, and it's in miles per hour. This – planes are in knots, knots per hour, and that's uh, – that's just a little bit faster than a mile per hour. And so the highest ground speed I've seen in one of those planes was 165 because okay. we had a good tailwind. And Jeez. so we were just flying through the air. Yeah. Um, but it's it's pretty darn fun. And you can get there. I went down. I flew from Ogden to St. George and back up to Cedar City in 3.7 hours. Wow, so that's fast. Very fast. That's, that's pretty cool. That's a six hour drive, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't bad. Um how, it's, how could you learn how to fly like jets? Do you have to go to the military for that? I bet you No, do. not necessarily. So some people, from what I understand, can go to a company if you want to fly like a charter jet, you know, for a company and just be like, Hey, I'm a commercially rated pilot, I've got all these hours, all this experience. Um, if you guys pay for my jet training, then I will fly your guys' plane <laughs> as a pilot. And they'll be like, Roger that. We'll pay for your training. You know, you can do that, but I'm going to the airlines and they'll give me jet training. Oh, for real? Not, not like F-16s, but the, what flies the planes are jets. It's, mm -hmm. you know, jet engines. And so when I get there, they'll have me do sim, sim time. I think it's like six weeks or something. Of a bunch of sim time, bunch of ground time. I have to learn all the systems, everything like that. All everything about the oxygen and all different aircraft systems. Basically, if you want to know anything about a specific airplane, just ask the pilots, and they'll know because they have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, and after that, I believe the first time I'm going to be in a large jet like airliner um, will be when I have passengers. Hmm. Huh. That'll be crazy. Yes, yeah, it'll be fun. Nuts. But I'll be good enough at that point where it'll be fine. And I imagine 
what'll happen is they'll probably have me do fly alongs kind of like that, you know, where I just kind of observe and then co-pilot and then co-pilot and then pilot. Yeah, basically. Um, they're not just going to trust 300 people to a person, you know, you've only done sim sweet. Go for it. You know how to fly a plane. That makes me nervous. (laughs) Yeah, no, they're, they're very safe and there's always, um, there's always two pilots at least I've seen three before up in the cockpit. They'll just squeeze together just in case. Yeah. Um, and then some of them, some of them can have like six or eight pilots on the plane because if it's like a 20 hour flight to Australia, they'll switch shifts as they fly. And then the other, then the other set will go rest or whatever. And they've got their own cabins and everything. What if it's say on the movies, you know, you see those and both the pilots are down they go and they're like, does anyone here know how to Good fly fucking a plane? Luck. <laughs> like if, if somebody was a pilot, could they just be like, yo, I'm a pilot. I'm going to take over now. Potentially. So well, what would have to happen? better than nobody. Well, yeah, right, that's better than nobody, but it's not going to be much better. So basically what would have to happen is they'd be like, okay, I'm a pilot. I have a private rating. That's all I have. They, they would have to get on with ATC because they're already going to be on a radio with someone, right? Yeah. They just put their headset on and be like, okay, this is what I would – this is what I personally would do if this situation happened. I would get their radios on me and I'd be like, hey, this is the ratings I have. This is all that I've flown. Um, I'm going to need you guys to walk me through this if we want this plane to land. And also, we're definitely in an emergency. So get me where we can, you know. Tell me how to use these avionics. I I would tell them, I have experience with this, this, and this. Um, get me someone who knows how to walk me through this right. if we want to land this plane. So at, at that point, a lot of it will still be autopilot. They'll just need to tell you where to go. They'll probably tell you what headings to fly, what how to climb and descend, things like that. And then they'll get you lined up perfectly. With a runway, they'll get you far out enough where you can get your flaps in and everything, and they'll just they'll probably have you go in as slow as you can all the way to the runway, and then I believe a lot of them have a machine that tells you when to flare with the big ones. So you'd be like, flare, flare, and then you just gently flare and hope you don't fuck up too much. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what I would do. Immediately get on with ATC and be like, okay, what can we do here? Because... I would like to live, <laughs> you know, and stay literally the most important thing for ATC and pilots is remain calm because you start panicking and I've seen this. You start panicking, you'll forget shit and all your training goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Literally, you're just gone. So, so a random citizen would have simply no chance, even if they walked you through it. They'd f- I'm sorry to say they'd probably die and take everyone with them. <laughs> worth they'd a shot, though. fuck it up more. Yeah, it's worth a shot. But as for random citizens, if you're doing that, get on the radios. Click that radio button if you can. It's usually on the control stick. And just just be like, hey, walk me through this. This is what I've got going on. Um, if there's any chance, and try, try to stay as calm as you can. Because, yeah, it's, it's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> it's kind of fun, though. I mean, up until you, you hit, up until you hit the ground, yeah. If you lived, that would be a legendary story. But you don't hear those stories yeah. because they, because they die. <laughs> exactly. But that but that doesn't generally happen. You know, sometimes it'll happen where the one of the pilots goes out of commission. They get some kind of sickness in the air, hypoxia, whatever. They pass out, and the other pilot has to land it, and then they have to make a report and things like that. But yeah, it's uh. And I'm sure I'll have some sort of emergency like that one day. But literally, if you don't stay calm, you're screwed. Hmm. It's it's insane how fast everything goes out the window when you panic. Because it's, I mean, 
yeah i i have i have nothing against the person that it happened to but i saw him i saw him kind of panic and get shaky and everything and like he almost acted shell-shocked and i walked him through every step to get back down to the runway because i was like okay we can't both panic (laughs) (laughs) we have to do this if this happens we're both gonna yeah and and that's why they give us so many emergency situations because if you simulate it enough it's going to be second nature one and two you're not going to panic when it happens in real life if i had an engine failure engine fire whatever in flight right now i'd be like wow that sucks all right let's Let's get it done. You know? It desensitizes you to it. Yeah, exactly. And that's the hope. And after 1,500 hours and after how many students training him, you've got damn good pilots in those seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's very, very, very slim chance you're going to be in an accident in one of those big planes. That More probably, does that transfer to other realms of your life, do you feel like? Since you've gone through that with yeah. like planes, it like yeah. helps you be calm with everything? Yeah, it's, I mean... It's hard to rile me these days, man. <laughs> the The downside to it is is if you go to like a, say, lagoon or any sort of amusement park, I mean, you're not going to feel much, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're there for other people. Yeah, exactly. And it's fun. And I love hanging out with them. But going on a roller coaster, you're just like, wee, wee. <laughs> you know? Even the craziest G-forces, like, it pushes you down more than what you feel in the plane generally. But the butterflies, you probably won't experience those it's just like yeah all right that's weird see i i I, i'm already there with that like obviously like planes would be a whole fucking different story but like any roller coaster now it's like motion sickness doesn't really happen now it's just you get desensitized to it and you're just like "Eh, so i've experienced this before yeah or or emergency situations i imagine i'll be a lot more calm in anything like that you know um it's just it's really good it's really good mental fortitude training if if nothing else, it's insane. What do you do with an engine fire? Um, kill my engine, cut off all fuel sources to it, and start looking for oh, and pitching for my best glide speed, and then start looking for a place to land, <laughs> and probably do an emergency descent to try to get the fire out. It's basically where I cut my engine and then dive, mm-hmm. because that much airflow will oftentimes put the fire out. Can you start the engine back that up? That makes if- sense. If the fire is out, I might try if I'm not within glide distance. If I'm in within glide distance, then I'll probably just glide down. Huh. But really, when you're in an emergency, they say in all the regulations, it's like in an emergency, a pilot may deviate from any and all regulations to ensure the safety of flight. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter what airspace you pass through, military landing fields, anything. You can you land. The freeway? If you have to. The free. <laughs> Yes, really? you can land on the freeway, roads, fields, doesn't matter. Try try first to get down on the ground safely, and then second to not damage, well, the goal is to not damage any persons or property, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can land on any of those safely, then you're golden. If not, land and make it out alive. That's, <laughs> yeah. What about, like, if you were going to, like, a, a field of, like, you know, just any field. Yeah. Is that a good spot to land? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Generally, because generally they're fairly flat. Generally, it's fairly. I mean, it's agriculture, so you're not gonna have too much. The thing you gotta watch for there is fences, those big sprinklers, and um, you might make some beef jerky. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, but I'd rather make beef jerky than die. So and be dead. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Be the beef jerky. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and hitting a cow might hit you, might kill you, depending on your airspeed. Oh, I bet you'd have a good chance. Oh yeah, for sure. It would crush the shit out of you, but it would be chopped liver by the time it got through the prop. Do you have insurance to where it would say if you did have emergency landing and you fucked up someone's property, would you have insurance for them, or or do you just have to all out of pocket everything? If you own your own plane. You're going to want insurance like that, but I think because I'm flying under a company right now, they have insurance, okay. um, but I really don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty much, I just try not to do that. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's, the, that's the strap. But, but I, do have, I do have a rider on my life insurance so that if I die in a plane crash within the first five years of my policy, my wife still gets a payout. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a little expensive, but after five years, then it drops away, you know? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> sounds fun. That's way exciting. Yeah. And dangerous. That's the adrenaline that you want. <laughs> a little bit spicy. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It can be an adrenaline rush, if it, especially when you're first learning to fly. Now, it's not so much of an adrenaline rush for me. Like, adri- I, I do get a little bit of adrenaline rush. Like, I was doing what's called a power off 180 down in Arizona. One sec. Power off 180. So, in a power off 180, you're essentially, you're in the traffic pattern, and you're, you're a beam. As soon as you fly a beam, your landing point, you've got, the, you've got the runway down here. You're at traffic pattern altitude, generally about 1,000 feet above the ground, and you pull your engine to idle. Mm-hmm. And you say, and what, what I have to do in commercial is called an accuracy landing with a power off 180. And I'll be, they'll pull my engine to idle. I'll say, okay, I'm going to land on that spot, and I'm going to aim for that spot. So now I have to go without engine power. I have to figure out how to get the plane with whatever winds are happening, whatever the temperatures are for the day, because that all affects the characteristics of the plane. Whatever's happening, I have to land the plane on that point plus 200 feet, which is 200 feet is not a lot with planes. (laughs) So I have to land it on that spot um, with no engine power. So it's a... it was a challenge. So we were we were flying in 14, 14 knot winds, gusting 19 knots, I think, trying to do that. And it was uh, hard. <laughs> Have you seen UFOs up there yet? Maybe aliens? Nothing of the sort. <laughs> I did see a weather balloon. <laughs> so that was interesting. Um, but yeah, there was a weather balloon. <laughs> I got I to gotta be careful because it's, uh, it's like attached to a chain. And there's a weather balloon up there. It's hard to see it. I, I was like, what the hell is that thing, that silver thing floating out there? Weather balloon. But um, I would love to see a UFO, man. That'd be so sick. You probably <laughs> will. Um, Something along those lines. Does the emergency landing still apply when you're out of country? So say you're, you know, going to Europe or something, and you're just like, yo, I've got an emergency. You contact their radio or their, you know, their radio tower. It's yes. Probably, yeah? As far as I understand, Yes. Um, let me pee and then I'll continue this thought. Okay. Stay safe. <laughs> it sounds oh. so fun to be a pilot. Oh yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> that <was> funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think we're covering Mr. Nice Guy today. No. Nope. Nice. Which works perfectly. I didn't finish it. Yeah. 
I thought we were doing it next a week from today. So did I. And then they were like, this is what we're doing. Yeah, I was just like, oh, okay. Shit, all right. <laughs> it's okay. I've read it before, though, so I was like, yeah, well, whatever. Um, yeah, I didn't read it. I've read it like three times, though, in the last two months. It's a pretty good one. We could. Yeah, it's solid. Yeah. We might cover it. Who knows? Yeah, I was like, we could get know. into it. We're already like an hour in. Yeah, we've gone Are pretty we? far on this already. Yeah, might as well dive all the way. My yeah. ear simply might explode from these headphones, I think. Why? What's going I don't on? know. It just hurts. Huh. I've never gotten it from these headphones, but definitely other headphones before, especially yeah. while gaming. Have them on for 10 hours. Um, hurts like a mother effer. That's yeah. a good point. Try making music. Listen to music like, constantly with the headphones on. Just, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So emergency landings. Um, yes. So I'm not 100% sure. And this might be part of your radio license that you have to get to fly internationally. But what happened was essentially countries of the world came together and said, okay, we all fly planes. We need to figure out a standardized system. So, um, speak every, English? Yeah, everyone, every pilot in the world has to be able to speak English. Really? Yes. Huh. And so, um, we as pilots will be just fine with that. And then, um, <clears throat> Your emergencies, I mean, if you, had a, if you have an emergency in the air, it's going to be the same thing all around the world because bottom line is you want to get down to the runway and you want to land safely, right? Right. Or wherever you land, you want to land safely. So I imagine the emergencies are the same, um, and I would, I would definitely be performing the same or similar procedures. So the, if you are trained as a pilot in the United States, we are literally the best pilots in the world because we have the strictest training. Okay. So you can you can go from the United States and get a job as a pilot anywhere. A lot of countries send their pilots over to the United States to train. Where's the best place to train in the United States? Well, the I personally I personally would say ATP, but um, so the military trains differently than the civilian world. Right. Oh yeah. Because they have their own radio frequencies, they have their own training resumes, whatever. Um, and they, they do things a little bit differently. Okay. But um, if you're going, like I've heard a lot of military pilots went to civilian, and it's a whole different world, but you're doing a lot of the same stuff. You just can't do your acrobatics and things like that, you know, because mm-hmm. your planes are going to be different. It's a lot <clears> stricter, <throat> probably. Yeah, the civilian world's a lot stricter, yeah. Oh, for real? Mil- military, I mean, there's a lot of stuff you might have to do in the military, you know, maneuvers wise, landings wise, stuff like that. And so they're going to have a whole different set of rules. Right. But, um, yeah, you're going to, you're going to be a lot, I guess your training might be more intense in the military. I don't necessarily know that it would make you that much better of a pilot. It's, it all comes down to hours. The more hours you're in the air, generally the better you are as a pilot. Cause then you have more experience in a, in a plane, you know? So if you have an emergency over Washington D.C., it's still okay. If even if you're close to the White House, you might just have every gun in the U.S. trained on you. Yeah. <laughs> Land on the White House lawn. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that for sure. I mean, right, right in Washington D.C., you've got that massive lake that's there that's super shallow. It'd uh, be right in front of the Smithsonian's, you know. That would be better to land it's in. Like the the one with the obelisk, Dilly Dale, right yeah. there. But if you're in D.C. You've already had specialized training specifically for DC, and I'll, I'll bet you 
they have specific emergency places they want you to land and things like that just in case. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I haven't had training for D.C. Good point. Um, but it, for anyone out there, I'd highly recommend at least getting your private license because it's just so such cool. an insane experience. The I mean, not only the adrenaline, but like learning how to fly. And you're, I mean, a lot of our students at ATP have their first solo after think it's between f- i want to say they get 50 hours or 40 hours in before they solo and i soloed at 15 hours Whoa. so as soon as your as soon as your wheels leave that runway you just realize holy shit my life is literally in my own hands now mm. and it's humbling to say the least <laughs> what happened with the guy that landed in the hudson river um solely (laughs) yeah as far as i understood they hit birds on their climb out and they weren't high enough to make it to a runway or any good place to land in a massive jet because you're pretty limited in a big jet you know Mm -hmm. um pretty much you're gonna want runways so he as pilot in command decided that the hudson was going to be his best bet of keeping all of his passengers alive and so he landed in the hudson and um got away with it they came after him because they're like, you could have landed this and this and this, you know? He's like, no, I couldn't have. I was pilot in command. I know what I could have landed, and no, I couldn't have. <laughs> and everyone made it out alive, and so it's, um, as far as I understand, he got away with it. Yeah, they made true. a movie about it. Tom Hanks. Yep. Yes, right. they did. <clears throat> um, you know, th- things like that aren't going to happen hardly ever, especially in the United States because we have such strict training. Um if it, a lot of the crashes you hear about are either training pilots, so in your first couple of years of training, and then um, a lot of out of, a lot of the big ones that crash are not from the United States. Huh. Yeah. So, it's a it's a fun little world. Definitely would recommend. Ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah, that's sounds so fun. If you want adrenaline rush like you've never felt before, do it. Mm-hmm. And and when they're training you in all those different emergencies, I mean they fail. When I was getting my instrument rating, I spent hours and hours on the simulator, simulating scenarios, is what it was called. But it was basically something would go wrong, and I would have to figure out how to get the plane back down safely. Wait, uh-huh. so on the simulator is, is it like a room you go into that's kind of like? So it's a room I go into with. It has two simulators in there. We've got. It looks like the inside of our planes. It's slightly different. And then you've got three screens in front of you that are essentially your windows, quote, unquote. Mm-hmm. And they have a computer next to them that um, the instructor's on, and they can choose what scenarios, what winds, what clouds, things like that, that you get to train on. So you've gone through all these emergency things before, just not yes. in real life. Correct. Okay. Exactly. And a lot of them I have simulated in real life as well. That's crazy. <laughs> on my check ride. My, my, uh, they call him a DPE. It's basically your examiner. Um, he turned off one of my screens. He's like, okay, we're doing this approach into, we're doing an approach into Brigham City. Turned off my screen and I had to turn on my backup and land that way. Um, he failed my comms because they're, they're in the plane simulating ATC. They're like, you know, turn this heading, turn this heading, seeing if you can follow ATC instructions. And, he just went silent. And so I had to go through lost comm scenario procedures because if you are on an instrument flight plan and you lose communication, 
that's bad because you're supposed to follow the communications, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a uh, was very interesting, and I I passed all that and was fine. Um, but yeah, I've gone through I've gone through all of it. They've they've simulated engine fires in flight, wing fires in flight, electrical fires in flight, all sorts of stuff. So wild. Yeah, or I've had them I've had them many times. We'll just be flying, doing whatever we're doing, and they'll just pull my power, and be like, all right. What do you do? <laughs> like, all right, I'm pitching for this glide. I'm doing, I'm landing there. I'm going to circle here, you know, and you circle down. You come within about 200 feet of the ground, fully ready to land this plane. Then they're like, all right, looks good. Go around. And then you just pull that fu- or push the power in full and head out of there. Huh. Yeah. So in November, you're leaving <clears throat> for a month, right? It'll probably be around then. Yeah, assuming everything goes to plan, then it'll probably be in November where I'm leaving for a month. Yeah. And I'll, what does that look like? I'll be training to be an instructor. So I will be in the, not the flying seat, I'll be in the other seat, and I'll be teaching instructors how to fly. Teaching instructors. Oh. Correct. Huh. And then I'll be teaching an examiner how to fly. What the hell? Because they got to make sure that you're, an instru- you're a good instructor. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'll be doing all that and landing the plane and all that from the right-hand seat. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting. And all sorts of emergencies. They're going to train me on literally anything and everything that could go wrong. And then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. Once I pass all that, then I'll be a halfway decent pilot. Halfway decent pilot. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I mean – piloting you just slowly get better over the years you know it's never going to be perfect you're still going to have crappy landings going through your trainings and everything but um already i'm i'm fairly confident like if we were to if we were to take the boys and go fly um to denver or florida or whatever i'm confident i could do that that'd be fun how much would that be so fun very expensive okay yeah um very expensive (laughs) as far as yeah because Every hour you fly those planes, especially if you get a plane like the ones that I fly with the G1000s and everything, the nice avionics, you might be upwards of $300 an hour. Whoa. Short flights, short flights. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. many passengers could it hold? So those specific ones can hold three passengers because you've got your pilot and your other front seat and then two in the back if, if you're not outside of the performance limits of the aircraft. Which I'd have to determine huh. before we went and flew. I'd determine all of our performance stuff, make sure all the inspections were in place, see what sort of takeoff and landing distances we would have. There's all sorts of stuff that goes into that. And even if all that goes great, if I go outside and, and on that day, even if we're at the airport, I'm like, yeah, weather's turned to shit. Sorry, guys. I'll cancel the flight. It's not, it's not even worth it to not make it down safely, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it'll be fun. More than likely what will happen is I can I can take up one other person for now because I know that's going to be within the limits. That's fine. Um, I've done that a billion times, or not a billion times, but I've done that a lot now. And so I'll probably just take one person at a time up, do it, do an hour or two flight, or if we're feeling extra fancy, fly to St. George for the day and back or something. Um, and you'd still have to pay the 300 Sweet. And then, volunteers tribute. And then whatever they charge you overnight, yeah. Um, so it's definitely more expensive to fly a smaller plane, but you're going to get the experience of flying in the pilot's seat. 
which would be in the front seat. Yeah. So you'll see, you'll see the plane taking off instead of just seeing out the small oval window as you take off, you know, you just see everything blur past and then you're in the air suddenly. Mm -hmm. No, you'll see the runway coming at you full speed (laughs) and take off. You'll see any planes that happen to cross your path. Um, you'll be hearing the radio calls that are made, all of it, because you'll have your own headset on so we can talk. Um, it's going to be a whole different experience. If it's turbulent that day, those little planes get thrown around. So um, Sounds so cool. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, I'm very excited to take you guys up. It'll be fun. Oh. And I, I would feel comfortable with it now. I'm just busy as hell. So I'm like, time and money, man. That's what I got to find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... It, it probably won't be till after I'm an instructor or till things slow down, which is fine because then I'm just all the better, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be, yeah, you'll, like I said, you'll see any turbulence. And when we come into land, you're probably going to close your eyes a little bit because you'll see the runway coming up at you real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I'll flare out at the last second. You're like, oh, okay. And then you probably take a breath as soon as we land and we're off the runway. So, yeah. Sounds so fun. It's mm-hmm. it's insane. You guys will like it. How, How much math goes into this, or is it like just knowing? It's not it's not a whole lot of complicated math, but it is a lot of preparation. You know, most of it's addition, subtraction, multiplication, things like that. It's not too bad, um, but you got to know you got to take into consideration a lot of factors. Your fuel consideration. You got to make sure you can make that flight with the legal amount of reserves and your personal amount of reserves. Because those are, can be two separate things. you got to make sure your runways are going to be long enough with the winds that you have, your takeoff and landing distances. Um, if it's cold or warm outside, that's going to affect the performance. Mm. Just so many different things. If you're taking off behind a big jet or landing behind a big jet, that could be scary um, because they actually create so much wind around them. It's called a wingtip vortice. You can flip those small planes. Wow. Just, and then you're screwed. Can you take out a loan to buy a plane? Yes, <laughs> you can. And they are longer loans, from what I understand, um, 15 to 30 years. So it's like a mortgage. How much do planes cost? Uh, you can get them as cheap as 40 to 60. Wow. Still spendy. But yeah, the one the ones I fly right now are probably in the 400 range. 400,000. Yeah. What the fuck are those airliners worth? So um, h- hundreds of millions. Yeah. Mm. So that'd be a really big mess up if you messed up. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> kind of expensive. Yes, exactly. So you can kind of understand why. And it, m- the biggest expense is going to be fuel with those because they go through so much fuel. That's mm. why your airline tickets are expensive. Quote unquote expensive. You know? Yeah. They're pretty cheap right now. Yeah. You can fly all over for pretty cheap. Yeah. And they're not, they're not terrible, but. Still, you can get expensive. Yeah. So now you know why, and it's actually relatively cheap compared to what you would have to pay flying a small plane, or driving. Mm-hmm. So it's a, uh, it's fascinating as hell. I'll take you guys up, then you guys can tell your experiences on the podcast. That would be kick. Sounds so fun. Sick. Yeah, like I said, it'll probably have to be one at a time, and I gotta find a good place that rents them and ha- pay for them to take me up. It'll probably do your little interview. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably cost me. 300 350 to do that to be able to rent the plane initially and then they'll let me rent from them whenever pretty much can you rent through atp i think so but it's more expensive than if you went elsewhere and got the same 
equipment. Huh. Yeah. Um, I think so. But I'd have to double check mm-hmm. for sure. A lot of the planes are in use, so it's going to be hard to find a time to do it anyway. <laughs> right. But, yeah. Shit, this turned into more of an interview then. <laughs> this is great. I actually I love talking about this shit. It's fun as hell. I mean, um, some of the crazy experiences you have. Down in Arizona, I took off next to a C-130. What's that? Um, it's a big four-propeller military airplane. They have par- They have mm. three parallel runways down there. And they took off of one runway, and we took off of the other one, and we were climbing at the same time. Uh, that's cool. So it was say. cool. And then one time out in Wendover, I was playing tag with a C-130 on a quote-unquote tag. I mean, they don't call it tag or anything, but we were doing the same approach, and we were just both going in, doing the approach, flying out, going in, doing the approach, flying out, mm. and we're playing tag that way. It was fun. Mm. See them fly past us a few times. Um, and then you're flying up there with jets all the time and whatnot because they fly – their approach comes in right over Ogden. And so as we're right. coming in, they're coming in right over us. It's cool. The three-dimensional the three, the three dimensional world, as compared to a car, is so insane how much that adds. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Simply spectacular, it sounds like. It's, it's pretty damn fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who's, like, the older sibling will get into it, and then the younger siblings come after them because – it's just so cool, you know? I believe and it. And it pays hella well, so. Yeah. It has the potential to, anyway. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Did we want to talk about like... no more Mr. Nice Guy still? No. <laughs> I think we should cover <laughs> it next time. I think we're out of time. Right. I apologize, time. guys, but we'll talk about it next oh, time. That was great. We'll, we'll get you next time. Um, oh, yeah. It was a fun podcast, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Flying is insane. Again, would recommend. But, yeah. Cool. Well. Like, comment, subscribe. Um, we are still selling the coins. We haven't really advertised them much, but no. it's a work in progress. Yeah, we'll get them. They're going to go into cold storage probably Yeah, <laughs> for now. Yeah. And then, yeah, when people want to keep joining, then we'll do that. But yeah. Cool. See you guys, guys next week. Thank, Thank you. Peace right. out. Bye.